0: welcome 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 Welcome. this is modern homemakers and And you know we've been in a Series on in a leaving staying.
1: culture, staying in a leaving. Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad you are with us, and so glad you've been with us. Today, I am finishing the last of twelve lectures, lessons on the subject of staying under the broad umbrella of staying in a leaving culture. We have talked about staying at home and staying married and staying as a mother and staying faithful to Christ. And today we're going to talk about staying in a leaving culture in your church staying in your church now now don't disconnect me quite yet let me let me just give you my ideas and my thoughts and my facts there's so much information especially in this culture about the church about the nuns about what the pandemic did to the church um what the last 25 years have done. Barna says that 70 million people have left the church in the last 25 years. I, when I think of that number, and know there are only 330 million people in our country. I think, whoa, somewhere that's just a number that's too big. But what I want to talk to you about is the notion of the success that comes from staying in the situation. The last class in this series, Staying in a Leaving Culture, is called Staying a Success Story, and it will be available to you next week by audio and also by video. You'll find it on our website, and you will find the most lovely couple. Their names are Crystal and Blake Goodman, And for some of you who've been around a while, you will recognize Crystal as a former director of Modern Homemakers for years. Their story is stunning. It is shocking. It is full of the worst sides of mankind's actions and the holiest sides of mankind's ability, mankind's ability to surrender to God, and to one another. You will want to watch this film more than once, and you'll want to show it to your friends, and you'll want to know that it'll be available for you to send it to someone who's in a marital crisis, that these real, hard, ending in great success words spoken by Blake and Crystal will encourage you no matter who you are. So maybe I save the best to last, or maybe I save the hardest to last. I'm not really sure. But there's so much for me to say to you about staying in your church. And I don't have one prayer that will encourage you to return to your former church or find a new one. or I have no intent in this message except to talk about the church the Church of Jesus Christ, who is the church, that's me and you, not the building that we go to, what about the community that's found in your church, and what was it that caused you to say, I don't want to any longer be in this church? Now, I want to start by telling you that in the last five years— my husband and I have left a church that we belong to for 35 years prior, 35 years, served in perhaps every capacity from two- and three-year-olds to choir. Yes, they let me sing in the choir for a short time, only when it's full and big and they can hide my voice. My husband did drama. We taught Sunday school classes. We did a marriage class, a couples class. My husband served as the chairman of the elder board, as well as being an elder on the board for a number of terms. So our family was there. Our community was there. When we went to the church, the first time we went to the church in 1979, there were about 220 people. When we left the church, they were talking about 15,000 people who belonged to the church in name or in attendance and the many campuses that the church um, fostered. It has been hugely successful. They have reached a group of men and women and families and singles and their program for special needs is charted as one of the best in the nation. So why did we change churches? I'm gonna tell you about that. But I wanna start by saying how heartened I am by an African proverb that says, going a short way, go alone. Going a long way, go with someone. While this generation is interested in community, the concept is contorted by the trappings of self-absorbed culture. Recently, I gave a lecture titled Life Together in the Digital Age. They were women in their mid-20s to 40, and I asked the, uh, the audience how they defined the word community. One said support, another friendship. One by one, these women offered words and ideas that while true in some sense were all self serving no one mentioned a community as a means to give themselves to others to serve to pray to care for the sick the entire list that i penned on the whiteboard as these women voiced their feedback catered on what they would receive from this four syllable word in this chapter of in this chapter in this lesson that i'm going to talk to you today about um, I define biblical sense and model who Jesus is and what it takes to live together, what it takes to get to know someone's heart in an immediate way. How do we openly share our own heart and wisdom and truth? And what does this really mean? How do we build and nurture a strong community, whether in a marriage, a family, a social network, a neighborhood, or a church? and curb the temptation to run when life gets hard. This chapter delves, this lesson, I keep calling it a chapter because I keep thinking about this material becoming a book. Uh, this, This lesson that I'm giving you today delves into this picture of how we embrace one another, how we show practical and heart sense to what it looks like to be in the absence and the presence of others. It's very beneficial living in the digital age. It has developed in us many easily uh, reachable outcomes. I think of so many men and women I know who have family or friends that live a long way away across the country or in another country, or on another continent, and they can push a button and have a Zoom with someone in Australia. I think the technology is incredible. But I also recognize that it has developed something that I call the sickness of hurriedness. Many of us have forged linear lives where despite having a vast number of people in our social strata, we have absolutely no sense of community. We substitute many things in its place like technology and we have not learned to live into relationships that take time and energy and effort. In this lesson, I want to help you to redeem the idea of community um, as Christ presents it. How to understand to have a life-giving and life-sustaining properties in your own lives. I'm hopeful that you will gather somewhere from my conversation today the falseness of the community you may uh, call community, the truth of that community, and that place where you need to invest even more, a life group or church or your family or your neighborhood community, wherever it is. And lastly, I hope that you will look around and say, hey, babe, maybe— what we left to watch the sermon on television in our pajamas on Sunday morning, or anytime we want to Sunday through Sunday, is something we need to reconsider and go back to. The pandemic put a terrible pressure on the church, a terrible. Statistics say that 15 out of 100 churches laid off staff members, reduced salaries, and everyone— took a hit. While there were few who were jobless, everyone took a hit. Churches declared doors open and did not pay heed to national warnings about the epidemic. They packed them in neck to neck or child to jaw or hip to hip, because they were the few churches that were open, and the record shows that there were many more instances of the disease being passed to someone else. Churches that came as a staff, came to their church and served the church by offering 11, 12, 14 weekly services of 20 people each, where they could sit within far distances. They could hear a message. They could receive community. They could pray with one another and receive communion. Services recorded everywhere. The smallest churches learned how to do it live and send it out over the live feed. We have a close friend who lives in the suburbs of Chicago. I think if everyone shows up for their congregation, there are 75 members in the church. And so during those years, they didn't all show up, but he found a way to make the technology work so they could get it at home. Today, roughly 40% of those who started watching TV at home in their pajamas are still at home. There's an account in the Christianity Today that said, in the midst of our growing polarization, that threatens our communal life altogether these are stories that demonstrate how we take care of one another. And the article was filled with ways that during the pandemic, we reached out to one another in our community, whatever our community was, to care for one another, for those who were hospitalized. My father died in a hospital during the polar, during the pandemic, and I was not only polarized, I never got to see him again. So how do we care for the people who went through things like that we are created to live in community if you know anything at all about scripture you know that philippians 2 tells us we're to regard one another more importantly than ourselves and roman tells us that we are to outdo one another in brotherly love and there was not to be isolation for adam He was given a helper. It was not good for him to be alone. And when they did not follow the only rule, what they went and did was cover and hide. Cover and hide. God, very early in his word, tells us that covering and hiding is not the way. That he recognized what they had done. He He called them to himself and recognized what he had done and and acknowledged why they were covering and hiding. But there was to be a better way, and that better way was to come through his son, Jesus Christ. I love some of these quotes that I'm using today because they've been a part of my warp and woof of life and John Wesley's rule of life. He says, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. And I think the decision to stay or leave is a situation, any situation is a complex one, influenced by a variety of factors such as personal values, financial stability, emotional attachment, In a study published by the Society for Human Resource Management, how would you like to work for them? It was found that most important factors for staying with an organization were job security, benefits, and relationships with colleagues. This is consistent with the idea that people are more likely to stay in a job if they feel valued and supported. Similarly, relationships can play a significant role in a person's decision to stay or leave anything. In a study published in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships, it was found that the quality of the relationship, the degree of the dependence, and the perceived alternatives were all factors that influenced whether or not individuals stayed in a romantic relationship. This suggests that people may stay in a relationship out of a sense of obligation or a fear of being alone. Religious affiliations also play a role in this report in a person's decisions to stay in a particular church or community. According to a survey conducted by the Pew Research Center, nine in ten U.S. adults were raised Christian, quote-unquote, by now, but are now identifying as religious nuns. We've heard all about this word, the nuns, but that's a, quite a significant statistic. They say they left Christianity because they stopped believing in the teachings of Christianity. I found that sentence, my mind just, and here I am, and I'm not going to go too far off course here because I have so much I want to say with you today. But they stopped believing in the teachings of Christianity, and frankly, I would join them because I don't believe in the teachings of Christianity created by man. I believe in Christ, and his teachings are flawless, and his suggestions to us are always for our good, his betterment. So this, this research, this religious affiliation research, suggests that individuals may choose to leave a particular faith community if they feel that their beliefs are no longer aligned with the teaching of that community. However, churches can work to engage their younger generations in hopes of them staying According to a study by Barna, millennials are now looking for churches to entertain them. They search for communities that are making a difference in the world. This suggests that the church may need to focus on social justice initiatives and community service projects to appeal to the younger generation. And I think that's an excellent thing because calls us, he tells us to look out for the widows and the poor and to care for them, but not to take the place of my work as a, and life as a follower of Christ first. And I can remember this like it was yesterday, and it's 35 years ago. A very close friend said to me in private, I don't want to be called a Christian anymore. And I, I, my, I, I still remember my heart just went, oh no, is she confessing to me that she doesn't love Jesus anymore? She's walking, no, she said, I don't like the name Christian. And she's fortunately for me, one of my closest friends and much brighter than I am. So I knew what was to come was a well-researched, well-documented analyzation of why the word Christian didn't fit anymore. But I can still remember the rush in my heart. She didn't want to be called Christian anymore. and But what she did want to be called was a follower of Christ. To this day, I think I understood. It was a time in life when the word Christian and born again in our culture was receiving very bad press. And she follows Christ so lovingly and so closely, she did not want to be included in that group. When it comes to staying in a particular location or city, research suggests that factors such as job opportunities, housing costs, amenities, etc., all play a role in the decision. According to another Pew Research Center, a majority of adults who have moved in the past five years say they did so for housing-related reasons. This suggests that people may stay or leave a particular location based on their ability to find affordable housing. Lastly, in other words, in all of this research I've just given you, the staying and overcoming obstacles can lead to personal growth and new opportunities. Hence, staying has become very countercultural. What I've just read to you, which is three or four pages of heavily dense, longer articles from these various sources of research. They're saying what I'm looking for in a church is how they can serve me. What I'm looking for in a city is can I find an affordable house? What I'm looking for in a job is not where it is or what it is, but what are the relationships going to be like? So I understand clearly that this culture which we are building continues to go in the line of what's in it for me, what's in it for me. I look back in my own life, now that I'm a significantly older woman, I and I try to remember how and why I wanted to create community in my young life. And when I look for it in my naivete, in my immaturity, in my lack of depth in Christ, I wanted community for many of the wrong reasons. I wanted community to be my parents because I didn't have any, they were absent in my life. I was needy, I was clingy, I was afraid. I thought if I had someone around me, a physical person around me, now my Enneagram style, my personality profile as you might know is high on the extrovert, so it was easy for me to move into relationships with people, but not everybody wanted to be as close to me as I wanted to be to them. I craved others to fill my tank. And I missed that it was only Jesus who could be that trusted, confident, immediate, always present Savior. Now this was evidence of my immaturity. Uh, There were many times in my life I trusted the wrong people. Uh, One significant event that happened in my life because I listened to a stranger who was going to give me directions while I was lost in the rural area of Indiana. I let friends take over many places in my life that should have been held by me and should have been a part of what Christ was calling me to do. Now, eventually you knew I was going to get to reading to you something from the scripture, and here it comes. This, for me, has been a profound, um, life-altering portion of scripture. Uh, some years ago, I taught the entire book of John. i would come to find that John was always ever-present in my thinking because the things I had read from John we're there. Uh, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Why? Because he has gone away. He's telling his disciples, but don't worry, where I'm going is better, and I'm preparing a place for you, for in my Father's house, there are many mansions. I I, I, I used that so many times in my life when someone personally was leaving me, or when I thought my relationship with Christ was not as vibrant, because There were things going on in my world. So when I did the teaching of the entire book of John is really when I came to this staying idea because it comes straight out of John chapter 15. And I'm going to read about 16 verses to you. I want you to listen for my emphasis on one single word, the word abide. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vineyard owner. He removes energy. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Now Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Uh, abide in my love. I have to pause when I, when I say, so I bear much fruit. For decades people in my groups and my circles, people who followed Christ, would say, I don't see any fruit. Where's your fruit? And I I would get so annoyed with that because I I, I kind of felt like I was a tree and they were coming up to pluck off one of my pieces of fruit. But when I studied this, I understood so clearly that the fruit comes, period. You You don't have to plan for the fruit. If you abide in him, you will bear fruit period. Just end of the story, end of the sentence. So I'll finish these last few verses. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that you may find my joy, and my joy may be in you, and that your joy will be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I've heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so the Father will give you whatever you ask in his name. I am giving you these commands that you love one another. Takes my breath away. Takes my breath away. Because... I've seen the chosen and now I have a picture of Jesus. (laughs) I've laughed so hard at how many times I've read portions of scripture when I see the picture of Jesus or Peter and all those fish falling out of the ship or other snippets that the chosen has put to life in real body form. What he's talking about in this chapter is the end of his life on the earth, and he's talking about it to those disciples who followed him, to those who were followers of Christ. And they were finally coming to understand that he was leaving. They didn't understand why. They didn't have anything else of the canon of the New Testament. They they were so bereft. But he, he, he says to us, you know, where am I going? I'm going to prepare a room for you, and I'm saying to you, stay. There are 11 abides in that chapter. The word abide is stay, staying, remain. In these first 10 verses, he says, if you do abide, and frankly, if you don't abide, the words of admonition are almost as strong as the words of what goodness we will find. If we don't, verses 1 through 5, and it clearly tells us what happens in in our lives. The imagery of the wall in the temple, and we are so right now seeing the temple wall uh, where the Jews go to pray, and inside of the temple there were pure gold wine vines and pictures of those vines, not pictures, reliefs of those vines, had huge clusters of pure gold grapes. Can you imagine? Just the vision of how important it was to the old covenant. And now here he is in the true new covenant saying, I'm the true vine. And Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving And what they need to do is remain with him. And of course, their questions were like eyes. Where are you going? When are you coming back? Will we ever see you again? Uh, All of these are pictures that he is leaving. He is telling us that we must stay. We must remain. We must sustain our attachment to God, not to anyone else. The mystery and the Holy Spirit, which is coming to follow him, they are in awe and in wonder. But Christ tells us that he, bringing the Holy Spirit, who they did not know who he was or what the Holy Spirit would do, the three promises were that Christ would remain, that fellow believers would remain in their relationship in love, and that the Holy Spirit would be faithfully there in substitution for Jesus. I'm telling you. If he had said to me, don't worry about Donna, the Holy Spirit is coming, and I'd never known the Holy Spirit, I didn't know what he meant by the Holy Spirit, and right there I had Jesus to touch him and hold his hand and watch him do what he had been doing, I would be just like the disciples, maybe worse. Maybe that's why I was born in 1946 instead of the time that Jesus walked on the face of the earth. Nothing of this life that we are concerned about matters because he has sent the spirit and he tells us that he is the vine and when we live in the vine we will bear fruit and bearing fruit is not the chest of our love it's the byproduct of my love and relationship with jesus so staying Staying became for me a word that was significant. Uh, It it popped up everywhere in my life. Why was I staying? What was the reason for my leaving? Why did I want to leave? Why did I want to cut bait and get out of there? Why was I determined to leave that friendship? Because she no longer was doing everything I needed or wanted to do. And the Lord kept saying to me, no, staying matters. And then as I continued my research and grew older in this project, I realized that we have become a leaving culture. We leave everything. We leave marriages. We leave relationships. We leave jobs. We leave churches. We move from one city to another city easily. We are a leaving culture. The divorce rate is down. Isn't that good news? Except you have to counterbalance that with the marriage rate is also down because now we don't get married. We just live together and bear children together. And that's our family. And it is a family. It doesn't need a marriage license to prove it. But for most of the couples who decide to do this, they've made the decision based on the fact they don't want to go through an ugly divorce or pay the resources from an ugly divorce, from the resources from a divorce. A divorce. From this chapter I found Christ's words helping me to understand what staying, abiding, remaining look like and what leaving look like. This entire series I've been talking about places to stay and these verses in John 15 set the stage for staying closing your exits. Staying and closing your exits and watching what God can do in you and through you. Well, I've said a few times, be safe, but don't stay married to a man who beats you or your children. There are several circumstances that I have been very closely aware of. A couple who were married, they were married for five years, they had a child. She was sure the child would change everything. Prior to her pregnancy, he had had many women and had started hitting her around and slapping her up. When the, children, when the child arrived, um, while the child was in utero, the wife was beaten. And when the child was born, after a couple of years, she observed that the child had watched her husband slap her around, and she decided it was time to leave. It was not a place she could stay any longer. I guess I would say to that story, she probably should have left Sooner. But I also want to say that I admire the reasons why, till death do us part, the marriage that she committed to before God and others, she was determined to live it out as long as she could. And she did. Staying in a leaving culture, persevering, enduring. We've been talking about all these things these last. 12 or 13 weeks, staying in your marriage, in your home, in your parenting, in your church community. We've offered you now reasons not to leave. We've opened your hopefully, your heart and hands to God who will be faithful to you as you remain in him. And now as we end this series and say to you, please listen next week to the last of the series spoken by Me as the questioner and the young couple, Blake and Crystal, who will not only do this audio podcast with me that you can listen to, you'll also find that we have a film that shows this interview. And you will see in a married state the effects of a woman who stayed and waited and of a husband who recognized the only way go forward in his life was to to surrender and stay. Deuteronomy 31.8, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear and do not be dismayed. Practice staying in this leaving culture. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of staying.
0: Thank you, Donna. We have been listening. And personally, i just like to say thank you for staying in our marriage. <laughs> it's been very sweet. And for those of you who might remember, we still have some books available, Loving Life as an At-Home Mom. And if you go to our website, uh, you can give us the information necessary. And if you're a regular listener, we'd love to have you have this book. So once again, stay in a leaving culture makes you countercultural and a woman extraordinaire.